you're listening to a message from Lifeway Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. Now, please enjoy this message from our pastor, Bruce Rhodes. All right, now we're ready. And so, there's a super on the natural. You know, I only have what's, what's naturally in me. Right? But God has more than what's in me. It doesn't just depend on me. It depends on how hungry you are to hear a word from the Lord. So, are you ready? Too busy not to pray is the series title. What does that mean, too busy not to pray? Well, uh, we're busy. And that's not going to stop. Right? But if we're busy, we need to pray as busy as we are. Does that make sense? The busier that we get, the more that we need to pray. And we don't need to keep making the excuse, well, I can't pray because I'm just too busy. Busy seems to be a way of life. Now, let me, let me just inform you, you probably recognize this, but the world is burning out. I mean, people in the church, people outside the church are recognizing that everyone needs a rest, a rest, R-E-S-T, rest. There's so many books out that have been put out in the back, past couple of months that, that talk about the Sabbath. And I've noticed the book titles. Even in the world, they're saying, hey, you need to rest. You need to rest because people are burning themselves out. And so busy is a syndrome that we allow ourselves to get into. And it's good to be productive, but we need to spend as much time with the Lord as we are in order to be productive. And, and, and as busy as we are, we need to spend extra time with the Lord so that we know what we're doing produces what He wants us to produce. If I had to ask you right now to rate your life of prayer on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you be? One to ten. Your prayer life or your life of prayer, how much you pray, is it productive, is it effective, is it, a, is it satisfying? I would have to say my, my life of prayer is not where I want it to be. And I think probably we're all in that same place. We could pray more. We know How many of us believe in the power of prayer? You believe the power of prayer? You've seen the power of prayer operate in your life? Uh, we believe that it's necessary to pray, but in reality, we, we do so little of it. Uh, we may know that we need to pray, but why don't we pray more? Why don't we pray more? So this morning, I'm going to give you four reasons that I believe why we don't pray more. Number one, we don't see, the reason we don't pray more is we don't see that we must ask Matthew chapter 6. Did I tell you to turn there already? Jesus is sermonizing. It's called, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, scholars believe that it was maybe a compilation of, of many teachings that he put together as re Matthew recorded it. But at any rate, Jesus is talking. This is his first uh, uh, attempt to teach his disciples. And he is talking to them uh, about prayer. And I'm going to start reading in 
chapter 6 and verse 5. And Jesus says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners in order to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you that they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you, we can say, openly, right? And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. See, it doesn't take many words to pray. It just takes words filled with faith. Verse 8 says, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. That's interesting. Our Father knows what we need before we ask Him. Before we ask Him, our Father knows what we need. He's a good, good Father, and He knows what we need. He can anticipate what we need before we ask Him. Verse 9, Jesus gives us this prayer. He says, uh, this is how you should pray. Our Father, which is our, uh, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, or give us today, our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts. We've forgiven our debtors. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. So Jesus told us that we have to pray for our daily bread, right? But our Father knows that we need our daily bread. So why can't he just provide it? Because Jesus told us that we should ask. And I believe that we don't pray because we don't see that we must ask. We think that just because God knows we need it, that he'll just give it to us. But Jesus teaches us. If you just do a search on Jesus using the word ask... (laughs) You're, you're, you, you will be studying for hours because Jesus taught us to ask the Father in his name. Jesus told us that our Father wants to provide things for us, but we need to ask. Just because our Father knows that we need something doesn't mean that we don't need to ask. Assuming that just because it's the Lord's will doesn't Make it automatically happen in our lives. We have sometimes this thought that God is in control. To the extent that God is so sovereign that he just does everything. And that everything that happens is because God does it and that he's in control. Well, God's in control. God's in control. And if you fully believe that God's in control of everything, then why pray? Do you see the the reasoning here? My prayer life goes down when I believe that God just does what he wants to do. Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. It is what it is. And we fall into this trap of, well, nothing's going to change, so why should we ask God? Or It's a cop-out. If God is in control, listen to this. If God is in control, he's doing a bad job. 
True? There are, right now, while we're sitting here, starving, dying children around the world. God's not in control of that. Okay, we're going to talk about control a little bit, but look at John 16, 23 and 24. They're going to put up on the screen, and you can catch as we go in New International Version. It says, Jesus says, in that day you will no longer ask me anything. For truly, I tell you, my Father will give uh, you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. So, when we ask in prayer, I believe that encourages more prayer in our life. And we can say it the other way. If we believe that we don't have to ask then why, why pray? Why pray? When we truly see that we must ask the Father in Jesus' name, we will pray more. Jesus said to ask. The second reason I think that we don't pray is that we don't see that we're in a daily spiritual warfare. I forgot to let you know that you could get to the notes by going to lifeway.church forward slash one dash five dash 20. And you can follow along with the notes. But I believe that we fail to pray because we don't see that we're in a daily spiritual warfare. In fact, even that phrase spiritual warfare, you're like, uh, I'm not so sure about the spiritual warfare. So if I'm not sure about it, I, I'm not going to practice it. But let me tell you, spiritual warfare is not something you practice. You are in a spiritual battle every day. You are in spiritual warfare right now. Whether you see it, whether you recognize it or not, you're in a spiritual warfare right now. Look at Mark chapter 14. Mark 14. Jesus is going to pray because he's... Facing a spiritual warfare. The enemy is coming at him to tempt him to bypass the cross. And he's going to the garden of Gethsemane. And he brings his disciples along with him. And I'll just read one verse here. Mark 14 and verse 32. Mark 14, 32 says, They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John along with him a little bit further, and he began to deeply become deeply distressed and troubled. And he says to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And then he said to them, Stay here and keep watch. He asked them to pray with him. And so... You can read on, but Jesus is praying because he is facing this spiritual warfare. Do I continue to do what I know to do or do I take the easy route and give up? And he was tempted because he said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. And so Jesus needed his disciples to stand with him in prayer, but they went to sleep. And so here's one of the distractions when we pray is sleep, (laughs) right? 
because we quiet ourselves in order to hear from God. And as we do that, we become so quiet that sometimes we just nod off. Anybody can relate to that. So if, here's, here's a suggestion. If you're having a hard time sleeping, go ahead and start praying. <laughs> because that will help you just fall asleep. We all have intentions of, of, of staying up with Jesus and receiving something that he wants to tell us. But Jesus says here, when he comes back to them, he says in verse 38, he says, watch and pray so that you'll not fall into temptation or that you won't take that trap. Now, we're all going to be tempted, but don't fall into that temptation. How are you not going to fall into t- that temptation? Watch and pray. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus knows, this gives me comfort. Jesus knows that my flesh is weak. Did that give you a little bit of comfort? But he also knows that we need to watch and pray. And that there is an enemy that is coming to you to tempt you. Not just on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But every day. You know, sometimes the devil uh, waits until you go to sleep and then rewinds one of those horror movies that you watched about 20 years ago, wakes you up and, and, and gets your heart beating fast and says, you're having a heart attack, you're going to die. I mean, telling you lies, you can't even imagine some of the crazy stuff that the enemy tells you in the middle of the night. Why does he wait in the middle of the night? Because it's dark. There's all, all kind of reasons, but the, listen, the enemy comes to steal. He, he's got a threefold plan, steal, kill, and destroy, and it hasn't changed, and he has no new tricks, and he's a big liar, but it's sure that we are in spiritual warfare. He tempts us every day. I can tell you he will come knocking at your door every day of 2020. That's not a newsflash. That is a for sure. He's diligent. He's a lot more diligent than most Christians. So we have to recognize that we're in spiritual warfare every day. Every day we wake up, we're in spiritual warfare. That should move us to pray. Because Jesus said that we can resist temptation if we watch and pray. And you can flip that around and say you will not resist temptation if you don't watch and pray. Right? We've got to watch and pray. Everybody say, I'm watching and praying. It takes effort to pray. (laughs) <laughs> you can't just say, Lord, uh, you do my praying for you and, you know, i got to catch some shut-eye here. I'm tired. God, you, I, I, I found the scripture where Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. So I'll quit praying because Jesus is praying for me and everything will be just fine, wonderful. You do a better job than I do anyway. No, that doesn't work. Because in Ephesians chapter 6, it says that we have the full armor of God, but it doesn't, it doesn't come on us like Iron Man. I've tried that, you know, nothing happens. You've got to put it on. You've got to put it on. It takes time. It takes time to put your natural clothes on, right? It takes time to put that spiritual armor on every day. Lord, thank you that I have the helmet of salvation. I have the mind of Christ. I think the thoughts that you think today. I have the breastplate of righteousness. Thank you, Lord, for giving me... Creating me the righteousness of God in Christ. I put that breastplate on. It takes time to stand against the enemy and resist temptation. 
We have to put on armor every day to stand against the enemy. We need to pray more, not less. And I believe that when we truly see that we're in a daily spiritual warfare, that we're going to pray more. Number three, the third reason I believe that we don't pray like maybe we should or maybe we want to, is that we don't really see and recognize that the unseen realm affects the seen realm. The unseen realm affects the seen realm. Now, think about the stick. I know it's just, it just looks like a stick. But Moses had a stick. And Moses was watching his sheep. And his stick was very important. I don't know, it's, it was probably a lot fancier than my stick. I just found this out on the stick pile out there this morning. It's real authentic, though. It's wood. It's waterlogged. So if I whacked the stage, it'd probably bust apart. But Moses had a stick that he could guard the sheep with because he tended sheep, right? And when he drew near to the bush, let's go back to uh, Exodus chapter 3, and the Lord appeared to Moses in a, a burning bush, a bush that was burning but wasn't consumed. Moses recognized that it was strange and he went near the bush with his stick. Because when he got near the bush and the Lord started speaking to him, the Lord said, throw down your stick, Right? You guys remember that? Do we need to go back and read it? Moses was carrying his stick because, because his stick was important to him. You see that? He didn't leave his stick down the side of the mountain and go up and check the bush out. He had his stick with him. And so God used that stick to show that God's super was going to come on Moses natural are you getting it and Moses met with God in a place of prayer this communication with God and this display of God's love and power and grace and purpose and mission and vision that God had for Moses life but not only Moses life but for his people Israel and so this communication that started with Moses' stick. Um, God used the stick to show his power. You remember when Moses would, would strike, when, when God told him to go back to uh, Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Pharaoh said, no, you're not going anywhere. God told Moses, take the stick, strike the, the sand, and gnats would come strike the water and it would turn to blood it was the stick right it was the natural stick but the supernatural power of God and the authority that Moses had was displayed in the stick you remember when Moses was in Pharaoh's court before Pharaoh he took his stick laid it down and it turned into a snake Probably a cobra because cobras were very common. But the sorcerers of Egypt threw theirs down. And theirs turned into a snake too. But Moses swallowed up the other snakes. 
So when he picked it back up, it was a little bit heavier <laughs> than it was when he threw it down. But it was the authority symbol of the stick. Let's fast forward a little bit where God tells Moses in Exodus chapter 17 to go up against the Amalekites. I'm going to read in verse 8. Exodus 17. Everybody say, I have a stick. stick. It's important. Because what this shows us, this illustration shows us, is that the unseen realm changes the seen realm. And if we know that, we're going to pray more, not less. And so here's Moses in Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. And it says, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men to go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill, that's important, with the staff of God in my hands. Now Moses didn't call it his stick. He said this is the staff of God, right? In my hands. And so Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were were winning. And when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Because Moses had the rod of God held in a victory position. It was his symbol of authority. You see, down through the years, uh, armies would fight and they had a battle flag. They, they organized themselves under the symbol. There was th- that, that was the authority in which they operated. And you were recognized by the battle flag. There's other things that we, we, we have in, in history, like signet rings of the kings and rulers. They would sign a proclamation, put some wax there, and hit it with their signet ring to authentic, uh, uh, authenticate the document that they were executing, right? And so this symbol of the rod, Moses' stick that became God's rod, was important in battle because the unseen that was going on changed the scene on the battlefield. What was happening on the hill changed what was happening on the battlefield. When Moses was finished, he built an altar on top of that place. It's really the Temple Mount. And he, he proclaimed that this is Jehovah Nisi, God our banner, our victory, right? Because it wasn't Moses' strength, it wasn't Joshua's strength, it wasn't Ur's strength, but it was God's strength. I'm telling you, when we pray, the unseen realm changes the seen realm. And it's all about this authority that God has given us. Look at another scripture here in Psalm 76, verses 1 through through 3. Prayer has a direct and immediate impact on the battles I face in life. I'm going to tell you this this year, 2020, 
It's going to be faced, uh, you're going to face risk. With risk, there's always reward. With battles, there's always victory. You can't win a victory unless you fight a battle. But when we fight with the Lord and we do what he tells us to do and we hold up in prayer the rod of God and we have our stick. Here's what Psalm 76, 1 through 3 says. God is renowned in Judah. In Israel, his name is great. His tent is in Salem or Jerusalem. His dwelling place in Zion The temple is what the scripture is pointing to. There, verse 3 says, There he broke the flashing arrows, the shields and the swords, the weapons of war. There was on the hill, the holy hill, God's hill, his temple, where Moses was standing when they won the battle. Because he told them, he told them in Exodus chapter 17. That, in fact, it was, the first, it was the first thing that he told Moses to record and write down. To remember this. He said, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered for generations. That God fought your battle for you. So the unseen changes the scene. The unseen realm changes the scene realm. God makes it clear that what happens before his throne has a direct bearing on the situations that we encounter in life. And I believe, truly believe, that when we see the unseen realm and how it affects the seen realm, we will pray more. Let God put his super on your natural. Then the last point, I believe, the reason that we don't pray more is that we, we truly don't see that prayer is connected to authority. And this ties in with the unseen affecting the seen realm. Prayer and authority go hand in hand. God gave authority to Adam. Look in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. God gave authority to Adam when he created the earth. It's very, it's very important that we remember this. The authority and dominion that God gave to Adam when he created him. Genesis 1.26 says, then, then God said, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created his man Adam and respected Adam enough to give Adam authority over the earth. And, and, and it says there in Genesis that whatever Adam chose to name the animals, that was the name of the animals. It wasn't like Adam said, okay, God, well, what should we name this? No. God created earth and gave Adam, gave mankind dominion over the earth. Look at uh, Psalms 8. The New International Version uh, Verse 4 through 6 says, What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Asking the, David the psalmist asked this question. God, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You have made them rulers over the works of your hands. And you've put everything 
under their feet. And so the Bible is very clear that when God made the earth and put Adam on the earth, that he gave him dominion over the earth. Adam was given this dominion, but he allowed death into the world by sinning in the garden. And when Adam opened the door to sin and death, that's when things began to die. That's when things began to decay and die. Adam was tempted in the middle of the garden. You remember the serpent came. He, he came to the woman. Adam was standing right there. And he said, hey, check out this fruit on this tree. Tempting the woman. Adam was there. He saw it. The Bible says that he ate it fully knowing. He was not deceived. He fully knew that he had authority. But think about in this moment that they were being tempted by the enemy to eat this fruit. God did not say to the serpent, stop. He did not cast the serpent out of the garden. He did not send the serpent away because Adam had authority. Adam had dominion. And because Adam didn't take his authority and didn't take his dominion, the enemy came, he tempted, he executed his plan, and Adam and Eve both fell for it. It allowed sin and death on the earth, and we're feeling the effects of it thousands of years later. But there was a second Adam that came. Jesus came. And he got the authority back. The Bible talks about, now listen, I could go on for a whole series on how Jesus took back the authority <laughs> from the enemy. But this is where maybe you, you, you can study on the side and, and trust when I say that Jesus, our second Adam, stood in a place of purity, sinlessness before God as the Son of Man. Jesus declared himself the Son of Man over 80 times. When everyone else called him the Son of God, Jesus called himself the Son of Man. Why did Jesus call himself the Son of Man over 80 times? Because he had to be born of a virgin. He had to be born a man on earth. This is something that, that still... It's hard for our minds to wrap around. Jesus is 100% man and 100% God. This is a mystery just like the Trinity is. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we can see it in the Bible. We can see that Jesus is all man, but he's all God. And he had to have been born. He, he must have had to have been born man in order to fulfill the covenant that God had made with mankind so that he could redeem us. So that he could give us back the authority. And when Jesus taught, he taught, and we use scriptures before, ask whatever in my name. And the Father will do it for you. That authority has been given to us because of what Jesus did for us. He bought back our place with God. That authority and dominion that we have in our own life. 
God will never force his will upon us. He always makes it available. But we have to take it. It's like Pastor Sheila was saying earlier. I choose for 2020 to be a good year. I choose to take the authority in the name of Jesus that, that God has given me. I choose to pray and connect with that authority in prayer. I choose to resist the devil and watch him flee. This, this place of prayer is a choice. This pray, place that we enter in to pray. It's not lightweight. We're not begging God. We're not desperate and needy and just, no. We're filled with his power, filled with his presence to stand up and do what he's called us to do. He's given us his name. He's given us his word. He's given us his spirit. Let's stand. Say this with me. God's power and his authority is for me in 2020. I'm going to exercise it every day. The Bible says to resist the devil and he will do what? He'll flee. We have an enemy. We see that we have an enemy. Jesus told us we're not in the dark. He's given us his authority. He's given us his name. When we realize and we truly see that prayer is connected to authority, then we're going to pray more, not less. We're not going to ask the devil, oh, please, Mr. Devil, would you please leave me alone? No, 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 double no. <laughs> Listen, the devil is, is not coming at you to be your friend. He wants to take you out. Remove you before you become a, a force against him. <laughs> it's in this place of prayer. Yes, there are many types of prayer. There's waiting upon God. There's sitting at his feet and just allowing him to refresh and restore and renew you. But what the Holy Spirit is telling us today about prayer, today. Now, we've got three more Sundays in this month. But today, I believe we're going to pray more because we know that we have the authority and power that Jesus gave us. In my name. Mark chapter 16 says, those who believe in my name, they will, what, sit on the sofa and watch football? <laughs> no. Now, there may be a time that you want to sit on the sofa and watch football. That's okay. As long as we're going and doing what he asks us to go and do. Because we're his representatives on this earth. And when we're representing God, he gives us the authority of heaven. It would be unjust to make us ambassadors on this earth and not give us the power and authority that he has to use in his name and for his glory, not your glory. Not your purpose, but God's purpose. Can you see how powerful prayer is? How God has called us this year to move up to a new level in, in our faith, a new level in our determination, a new level in our persistence against the enemy. 
Let me just say this. I'm going to be real transparent for just one minute. I'll just go one minute because I'm watching the clock. Last week in Texas, there was a man that was possessed. I never met him, but I can tell you. Anybody that would carry a gun into a church with the idea, the thought of killing people was not of God. Was not God's will. But the world that we're living in right now and the things that are going on right now, we need to really take what the Holy Spirit's saying to us to heart this year. Don't let the devil beat you around like, you, like we have in the past. Rise up. Take the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. Take the rod of God and let his super come on your natural and hold it up every day. If you have to have somebody hold your hands up and hold, hold the rod up, <laughs> what's happening on the hill affects what's happening on the battlefield. I'm not, I'm not letting the rod fall. I got the rod. And God's got the super to put on my natural. And there's more with us than against us. And we're not giving up and we're not giving in. Listen, this area and this county needs a church that's strong in faith. Strong in faith. Convinced that God is God. And he will do miracles. And he will heal people today. Because people are dealing with some heavy duty things. People need to be freed from oppression and depression, possession. They need to be free from sickness and disease. Part of Mark 16 says, Jesus, Jesus said, if you believe in, in me, you will lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. I've got the hands, but he has the power. And if I dare to believe that I can lay my hands on somebody that's sick, he will produce the power. I don't have to produce the power. Right? It's the super coming on the natural. All that God requires of us is our natural. Hey, Moses, throw the stick down. Throw the stick down. Watch what I can do with the stick. And this happens in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you. That we're not, we're not good enough. We're not talented enough. All you're asking for us to do is to surrender and submit. To take up our authority in you. To find our place in Christ. Seated together with Christ in heavenly places. Thank you, Father. That our authority doesn't come from ourselves; It comes from you. Thank you, Father. We determine right now that we'll, we'll, we will pray more this year. Not out of doubt or unbelief or desperation or fear. We will pray prayers of faith. Believing that your super comes on our natural thank you Lord for a praying church a church that's hungry for your presence a, a church that's, that's hungry to see you heal people to touch this community with your love and with your grace with your compassion with your mercy we commit right now to this next 21 days of prayer to press through the veil of the flesh if we start falling asleep to, to wake ourselves up. Stir us. Stir us to a new level of prayer. 
in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, say this with me. Holy Spirit, I give you permission to stir me up to pray more. That's just the invitation that he needs to work in your life. Now go into that place of prayer. Take your pencil. Take your pen. Expect to hear what God has to say. Take the word of God. Three things. The word of God, a blank piece of paper, and a pen. God will begin to speak to you more than ever before. Lord, I just pray for everyone here in Jesus' name. That we have open ears, a hungry heart to receive all that you have for us this year. Lord, lead us in this place. Jesus, just like you took Peter, James, and John with you just a little bit closer, just a little bit deeper into the garden. Lord, lead us. Draw us deeper. Draw us deeper. Just like you appeared in the bush to Moses. Draw us deeper. And then in James it says, if when we draw near to you, you draw nearer to us. Nearer to us. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. If there's anybody that needs to commit their life to Jesus right now, I want you to pray this prayer with me. If, if that's you, you know exactly who you are. The best thing that you could do the first Sunday in 2020 is to give your life to Jesus, to commit your life to Jesus. If you've been there before and you've kind of drawn back from that, let's recommit in 2020 to following Jesus every step, every day. Say this with me, Heavenly Father. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. If you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.